you're going to meet the man or woman that you should have become. And when you get to that point, are you going to be embarrassed? Are you going to be ashamed? Or are you going to shake hands and embrace that person and say, all right, man, we did it. You know, here we are. We're together. We're the same person. Like, I became everything that I was supposed to be. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage, and today we're talking with Travis Miller. He is the creator of three of the most widely known and followed golf Instagram accounts, PGA Memes, Hack Patrol, and Sir Hiss-A-Lot. In addition to running these accounts, Travis is a husband, a father, and wakes up every day to go his corporate day job as a high-ranking leader within the company. This episode is broken into two parts. First, we talk to Travis about how he continues to build his Instagram empire and what it means for brands and businesses to be working with influencers. The second half of the episode, we dig deep into what motivates Travis, his thoughts on entrepreneurship, and how he stays motivated to continue to be a high performer in his day job each and every day, as well as his personal life. So let's jump right into one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded yet. I know you're going to get so much out of this episode. Tell me about how you even got into social media. Were you into being a creative as a kid or before that happens or were you into the computers or how did you kind of what was your story of getting into social media uh yeah so i wasn't very big in social media at all i barely had a personal page that was kind of with little to no activity and i had a good friend that um used to prank people on the golf course with a rubber snake uh he was in his late 40s and we always just enjoyed going out and golf with them because we got so many great videos and reactions of people freaking out i mean who is who's not terrified of snakes and we'd plant them in perfect places where people would just completely freak out and he ended up getting back surgery and stopped golfing and so after a while we kind of started missing that uh that fun on the course because we always like to try to bring an element of fun and and something different to the golf course uh to not make it so stuffy and ultimately i just got a snake and started doing it myself and creating the content around that and capturing some great videos and someone convinced me to create a a social handle called Hissalot that we created to start pranking people and it ultimately just went viral on the golf channel and some of these other things that you know the page instantly grew to 10 plus thousand followers and I just kind of got hooked and I guess to your question about growing up with creativity and internet and stuff like that I guess I've always been a creative mind and had a lot of great ideas but to that point I hadn't really ever executed a lot of them and so it was kind of fun to see some of my ideas flourish and get behind and see traction and get that instant gratification back from a social platform to see that you know an audience of people enjoyed what I was putting out there and it kind of got me addicted. Talk to me about so you know, you talked about that instant gratification, and I think one of the challenges of being in kind of the sports space, or what I would assume from the outside looking in, because I don't necessarily run any sports pages myself, but definitely consume sports content, is it's kind of this, once this funny play happens, or once this golfer shanks this shot, or this happens, you know, new news or new relevant pieces of content come up pretty quick. So talk to me about what it means to kind of be a sports influencer or in the sports industry, and how do you balance having a normal life but also being relevant, you know, knowing that these things are happening pretty quick and it's it, what it seems to be, is particularly in the, the satire kind of arena with sports, is like you want to be kind of one of the first people out there. So how do you balance having a, a normal life? Also talk to me about the fact that you don't spend 100% of your time on social media because you have a real job. 
a little bit about that and then how do you balance this kind of always on instant gratification usually the first one out is going to be one of the higher performing pieces of content yeah i mean that's the that's the trickier part here is to try to find that that balance of doing all of this stuff especially with having a, a real job and a career but you know for me where i found success is being you know original and being myself and using my sense of humor which i've been known to be kind of witty um quick-witted in terms of just playfulness and banter back and forth with people in real life and I've been able to really kind of take that wittiness to my creative of creating, you know, a meme for PGA memes or, or finding a viral uh, video of someone doing something silly and tying that back end that's related to someone in sports. I think the, the biggest thing here is just people want to have unique and creative and original content because you'll see there's a lot of pages who just constantly post other people's material and it just gets recycled over and over again and sometimes in different and more creative ways and you see some pages or platforms take the same thing and, and go further with it because of that but there's a place for that but being original and creative is going to really is really what's going to set you apart and for me what i realized quickly is that in the sports world 99% of people that are out there that consume sports content like yourself they're nowhere near the professional level of where some of these these pros are or will ever be and so for me i think it's fun to to find the playfulness and humor in the sport and kind of poke fun back at the pros or even just ourselves as, of how we suck or the different problems that we come across whether on a golf course or playing football or whatever it is and so finding that humor and plugging it in for me i've been able to balance a you know a content calendar or whatever you want to kind of look at that to have original content that relates to the everyday person and have that kind of teed up and ready to go to where I can kind of plug and play with the algorithms and you know cater to the audience and continue to grow the page and and so forth but you have to have that balance of being in the know of what's going on and you know kind of have the notifications and, and all that good stuff but I got to a point where a lot of people kept feeding me with newsworthy content or funny images and stuff where they're like hey we're kind of counting on you to bring this to life and so the bigger the pages and the platforms have gotten I've been able to kind of work in community with my followers to kind of create some fun, playful content. So it's been fun to do that, but yeah, balancing it out and continuing to be original and create your own stuff has, has been a task, but it's been well worth it. Our page has grown, you know, astronomically over the last year and a half. And you see a lot of other people where they're just kind of staying status quo just because they're, they're continuing just to regurgitate and post everyone else's content. So you talked a little bit about kind of bringing the humor to the sport talk to me about your perspective on you know i think golf is unique in a way because it's one of the only sports and it's, yes it's definitely evolved there's been more rivalries and some more candor you know off the course than probably ever before in years past but talk to me about your perspective on running kind of a satirical or humor you know based page for a sport that's widely still very much prim and proper we're still doing things the way it's always been done in the sense that it's it's a gentleman's sport or it's you know a, there's a lot of women in golf as well but it's it's kind of the still tuck in your shirts golf clap still quiet please so a very serious sport where you know football uh, basketball and baseball you know all these things you have these silly celebrations and the game's kind of more uh it's definitely a serious sport in other sports but i feel like golf is still the one that's still tried and true kind of still original in the sense that it's still very very serious so what does it mean in your opinion for you 
to be bring humor and satire to a very serious sport what have been players reactions or other people in the the game of golf that you know that know about your page what do they think about it just what's kind of your take on uh, you know again bringing kind of this humor or sat- satirical you know voice to a, a game that very much is still the gentleman sport prim and proper golf clap tuck in your shirt that's definitely something that I've had to continuously kind of learn and, and try to gauge as much as possible because for me going out and playing a, a Saturday morning round with some friends and you know the occasional round with some colleagues at work there's a lot of fun banter back and forth with placing bets uh, joking about your buddy who tops it off the tee box or shanks it into the woods or you know skulls one over the green and you know every one of us have been there in terms of golf and I think you can relate to that in most things we do in life, but golf in particular, I don't care how good you are, you're going to have a bad day on the course. You're going to have a bad hole out of 18. So there's always something in, uh, there to find that's humorous. And so I started finding that in the, the Hisselot page when we launched that several years ago where people were like, oh, this is a fun small thing that I can put in my golf bag and kind of have it as like a 15th club in my bag where I can pull that out with a stranger or a good buddy and kind of bring some humor to our round and have a memorable experience and so I think for the greater good you saw a lot of good reception from that where people loved that saw the page grow you didn't see a whole lot of pro golfers adapt to that you don't really see many of them do the prank or you know interact with the page very much but what you saw were a lot of NBA NFL players that really got involved I'd send out snakes too they do a lot of videos because they're just a lot like us right they're they're fun 10 plus handicap golfers that are just looking to get out and have a good time and have a good experience and joke around with their buddies. But I think what social media has taught us over the last few years, you know, with, with the spring break 2016 crew with Ricky Fowler and Justin Thomas, Smiley and uh, Jordan Spieth, you know, them going to the Bahamas to Baker's Bay and golfing with their shirts off and, and no shoes. Like you, you kind of social media now shows you kind of a, a platform of, players they're just like us you know like they can be they're, they're great golfers and they're pros and you know they do it for a living but hey when they're not out there grinding over you know five foot pots you know winning tournaments and stuff they're just like us they're everyday humans that want to have a good time and have some playful banter back and forth with their buddies and you know it was really cool to see that and I think it helped us relate more with these golfers and so I guess during that time I kind of saw a little bit of a window of hey there really isn't a page that is poking fun at the game um, and kind of shedding light to some of the, you know, the problems that we all incur on the course or, or how we struggle, and then also kind of challenging some of the players. I saw a lot of NFL and NBA pages making fun of some players and situations uh, within the league that added a lot of playful humor and a lot of people can relate to. And it's it's different in golf because, like as you stated earlier, it's it's definitely kind of one of those high-class sports and has this perception of you know tucking your shirt behave yourself and and you're kind of going at a person opposed to a team so if I'm making fun of you know the Cincinnati Bengals it's a lot easier because it's an organization and no one's going to take that personally really Um, but if I'm going at you know Patrick Reed or somebody it's it's more personal and I think some people have you know a problem with that Um, you know and I've tried to balance trying not to go too far with that which I have crossed the line a handful of times but it's definitely it's been well received and on the PGA meme side 
you see a lot of pro golfers following it, a lot of um, big names in the sport. And some of them publicly will, you know, get involved and share their thoughts on stuff, and others will kind of do it more so in the DMs and, and so forth. But it's uh, it's cool to see how it's well-received. And, you know, for me, I put myself out there. You know, I was passionate about the idea, and I'm, I'm always someone who's going to put myself into something full speed and, and go all, all, all in on it. And so I put myself out there, and it's hard to do that as, you know, a writer to put your stuff down on a page or, you know, a creator to put yourself out there on social media or a blog or whatever it is that you're doing, but I just did it. And as soon as I saw the tick and continue to move forward and I started getting that gratification back from the audience, it just gave me that that uh, insight that, hey, I'm onto something and I need to keep at it and keep adding my personality to this and continue to be original. And it's just led me to where I'm at today, which is pretty cool. What's your hot take on all things social media influencers? A, do you consider yourself a social media influencer? B, why do you believe or what's been your experience of why do you think that businesses and brands are, are heavily starting to invest more and more money into social media marketing and then see as kind of a follow-up to that second question is how do you feel that influencers have kind of bridged the gap between brands and businesses and their consumers what's kind of the future of influencer marketing or just kind of your take on in influencer marketing as a whole yeah i mean that's a, a loaded question for sure but i i definitely um it's evolved a lot over the last few years. I mean, my take in general on influencers, which it's hard for me to like fathom that I'm even considered in that role because I haven't really been more of a, a, a forward-facing page. You know, I've been kind of more of this admin behind the scenes. There are some cool initiatives that that I'm working on uh, that will definitely bring me more out into the forefront. And even without that, I definitely see that I have an influence over an audience of, you know, half a million or so followers that, you know, are interested to hear what my opinion is about this, that, or the other, which, you know, a lot of people could be like, that's, that's crazy. But you kind of have this sense of responsibility, if you will, when you have that platform that you need to be mindful about the influence that you can have over certain uh, topics and and some of the things that you can post or share, you got to be a little more care careful about it because there's a lot more eyes on it. Um, but in terms of influencers in general, um, it's really easy for me at least to see which ones are genuine or not in their message and what they're doing. And to me, I think it's it, you should be somewhat grateful of the the opportunity to have that platform and to be in that position. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people who aren't. And they kind of look at themselves as like an elitist. And, you know, we kind of joked about it earlier, but it's like, what are you without that platform? If it were to be deleted tonight or tomorrow, like, who are you and what's your identity? And are you going to be able to continue to stand on your own two feet? Um, that's something that, you know, I'm proud that I could say, yes, I can. Um, yeah. Would it be tough and, uh, you know, suck for that to happen? Absolutely. But I think it's something that people should be grateful and use the platform for a good cause. And that's something that I'm definitely striving towards that as I'm building up this following and trying to figure out what direction I want to take this and add maybe a couple of different verticals to, I want to have some charitable components to it. I want to make sure that what I'm putting out there in terms of messaging and you know, maybe products I support and all that stuff or something that I think can be ultimately a win-win for the brand, but also for the followers, they're getting something in, in turn and, and be somewhat responsible as to what I'm, what I'm saying or doing. But brands today definitely are looking at the social uh, medium realm of things a lot differently. I think that it's definitely more of a prevalent opportunity for them to get in front of a larger audience. Um, 
in a lot of different creative ways, but you're also able to kind of touch those people who are, you know, directly um, responding to these posts or the videos or stories. Um, you know, airing a, a TV commercial costs a lot of money, and you really don't know who your audience is. Um, you know, I haven't really had the privilege to d- dive into those insights and see exactly who's who, and I'm sure they're there, but like, from a social media perspective, you have people kind of commenting, messaging you, liking the stuff, clicking on links immediately. There's opportunities for call to action, and you get that instant gratification as a brand to convert sales. But you're also able to create influence and brand messaging uh, throughout a longer-lasting relationship or partnership with an influencer. And listen, there's a lot of people out there today that you know, whether you're just an influencer or you're a professional athlete, they look to you to see what you're wearing or what clubs you're playing and what ball you use. And it's, it's really interesting to see how that works. And so I think that that responsibility factor really comes back into play here where you're, you're not whoring yourself out to anybody and everybody out there. You're really working with people that you know, that you trust, you've done your diligence and you're doing a service, you know, on that platform and going from there. But I definitely see it getting more and more, uh, of a use and probably a primary use for bigger brands to go the social channel and work with more influencers as they as, as they want to market. So this is kind of a thousand foot level question that you could either answer broadly or you can get specific. So I'll leave it up to you. And I don't think there's a right answer, but I'm just really curious about your answer to this because I've spent some uh, personal time with you today more than I ever have and I can clearly tell and we'll get into this here in a minute I want to ask you some personal questions about your life and motivations but why do you think that social media has become such a currency in today's world uh, you know I, I think it's really interesting when you think about people if they say hey do you know so and so hey do you know you know this page or this band and you know usually the answer is no I don't know that person and then you know the follow up says Really? I mean, because they have 50,000 followers, they have this, or, you know, even for brands, is it's, why should I care about this person? And yes, that's a lot of, you know, people when you throw out 10,000, 100,000, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, it's kind of interesting if you take a step back and it's like, what does that really mean? You know, what, what is, what is, is it, is it FOMO? Is it, I, I don't know what that is. I'm just curious on your take. And I've never asked someone this question. And just as we've been having our conversation today off the mic around kind of this topic, I want to just ask you this. And again, there's not a right or wrong answer here. I'm just curious. So what's kind of your take of why do you think that social media has become such a, a currency or, or it's more than, you know, some people would say, well, Instagram is your new business card. I think it's more than that. I mean, it's, it's almost like your trophy case, but I'm just curious. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's uh, FOMO for sure is definitely one of them. I mean, it's crazy. So I've, I've had the opportunity to go to some events, and it, now that I've got these pages to, to be kind of rubbing elbows, if you will, with some of these other influencers, and there's some awesome people. I mean, actually, so I, I, I've had a big problem of judging a book by its cover on social media, and I'm not typically like that in terms of real-life, everyday business and just meeting people, you know, on the fly. Um, I definitely like to get to know people and understand kind of what their passions are and what motivates them. Because for me, my history, my career has been sales driven and business development driven. And so for me, psychologically, it's always been really good to understand who I'm working with and how I can get them motivated or working well with me and so forth. But social media has been different because it's kind of a space where like, I don't know, like for me, especially before I kind of started doing this more uh, with these other pages is like it was a place for me to go zone out and I would 
I would just veg out, you know, and just look at stuff and, you know, judge people by what they posted or, you know, something. And it's like, and I'd get burned out. Like, I don't care what your opinion is on this or that. And like, cause I just didn't understand maybe the platform and what messaging, you know, why they were messaging certain things about, you know, this product or that product or whatnot and bloggers and, you know, but now after I've had a chance to meet a lot of people and understand kind of the space and how important it is for businesses, like I get it and I appreciate it a lot more, but what's funny about like the follower count and, and the significance of it. And it, you know, there's people who just take it to their heads so much. I've met some people who have 11,000 followers, you know, and that's a lot for a person. You know, if you're a brand, maybe, maybe that's not that much, but that's a lot for a person. And, but I've met people who are just, they don't even want to like take a picture with somebody. They're just, they're kind of rude. Like, who are you? But then they find like, so I'll give you a great example. I'm not going to name names or anything, but no one knows who PGA memes is. They just don't like, I'm not on the page. Um, no one knows who hiss a lot is. And I started this other page called hack patrol and it's got like 50,000 now. No one knows who that is, but they all know the pages. Right. So like I've been to some of these events and with forward facing people and they go and they introduce me to, to groups and I'm like the guy who's just shouldn't be there. You know, I'm like, who's this guy? Like no one knows who he is. Is this your cousin who's in town? Like whatever. And then when they're like, Oh, this is PJ memes, the room will light up and like, Oh my gosh. And like, you know, everyone wants to talk to me and they're like, how'd you start this page? And what do you do? Like, you're crazy. Like some of the stuff that you post and I kind of will quickly become the center of attention and I, I don't really want that, but like, I'm not going to also be out there kind of like, well, Hey, I'm PJ memes. Like you should roll the red carpet out for me. And all, cause that's ridiculous. Like I run a, a meme page and although it can be fun and funny and, and reach a lot of people, like I don't deserve that or never will expect that. But there's a lot of people who do. And the way that I'm treated or reacted towards is a lot different once they know like what I'm behind and what I'm doing. And that's unfortunate, you know? And like, to me, I actually kind of like being in that position um, with what I've got because I, I can, I'm at the liberty where I can choose who I want to work with and who I want to kind of align myself with. And there's been a lot of people who are just genuinely great and awesome to me before they even know like what I do and who I am. And then when they find out, it's just like even that much better. And it's like, all right, you're really cool. I like you. You're genuine. I want to, I want to work with you in, in one way or another. Um, other people, it's just like, oh, I, I really kind of know who you are at the core of things and I'm not really interested, but it's kind of sad that people get consumed in that because if you ever have a moment and you get consumed with social media and you have a moment where you can step back and live in the moment and experience it and not capture any content around it, it's actually pretty enjoyable, you know, and I, I think it's good for people to kind of pl- unplug from that as much as they can. It's still going to be there when you get back. You're still going to be important, like whatever, you know, but you got to unplug and live in the moment because it's going to pass you by and whatever you're doing on social media isn't going to ultimately last forever. Right. And so hopefully more people can kind of realize that and kind of come back to reality, if you will. So last social media question, and then we'll close out the episode today with a couple of personal questions. What do you think would be your tips or advice to someone who... I'll, I'll just leave this broadly. If it's someone who says, I want to be an influencer or I want to start a community type page, whether that's a meme or a satire or, you know, a fictional character. What would you say to that person that says, yeah, I want to do this? Coming 
now where I'm looking looking back, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I wish I could have said I did this when I started out and I kind of found it out along the way. But what I would recommend for sure is whatever you're doing, really try to take a step back before you get too deep in it. Because what you put out there is definitely like you create your own identity and you create something you know, unique, a channel where people want to go to for content. So, you know, if, if you can really kind of whiteboard out what you really want to get out of it, I mean, even as stupid as like a meme page or, you know, whatever it is, right? If you know, like, hey, I want to appeal to 95% of the golfers out there who are just your weekend golfer who sucks at golf. Like, all right, so what do I need to do to do that? You know, I need to have this type of content around that. And I think this would be kind of fun and, and playful. And you can build so much around that, but you kind of have a little bit of an agenda. Um, and then you're like, all right, great. Well, now I got to play into like the professional realm of things and kind of talk about what's relevant on the, the tour or whatever. And that can tie into any other type of vertical or, or industry you're talking about, but really kind of creating a, an agenda and, and kind of taking a step back of how you're going to develop that content and how frequently you're going to have to post it and put a content kind of calendar together. It sounds kind of complicated or it sounds a little like much for maybe a page, but ideally if you want to be someone who does give influence, if you want to be someone that's attractive to brands or to you know a wider audience, you're going to have to have that. You're going to have to have a really consistent cadence of what you do to post. You're going to have to have good content. And so that's going to require you to take a step back and think about the creative of it instead of just Hey, every time I go to the bathroom, I'm going to sit down on the toilet and create like two or three posts and pump them out. And you know what? Unfortunately, that's probably what a lot of people do. So listen, just knowing that you're already up on the competition if you're a little bit more organized. You might be in the middle of the pack and working your way through. But I promise if you're consistent and have a really good look and feel and message and have a cadence to your content, you will break through the rest of the pack eventually. It's just about that work ethic and consistency, but having a plan. Like if you have a plan, you're definitely gonna be someone that separates themselves from the pack. And it's gonna be someone that your followers or people who are looking to follow new pages, they're gonna be attracted to. I wanna transition here in this last few questions of this episode to kind of you personally, because you know we're sitting in a nice car, you have a nice house, and not that that's any measure of success or that's what defines you as a man or as a human or why people should care about you. But I think to me it shows that you're intentional, you're, you're skilled at what you do, and then you're able to achieve you know, the life that you want to live. So I want to ask a couple of questions here about you personally. So the first question I want to ask is purposely uh, pretty broad. What motivates you to get out of bed every day? Well, I have mouths to feed. That's, that's one. But I, I definitely just... Uh motivated person that just wants to be successful. Um, I have a father that has been in the same job for a long time, uh, didn't get any education, and he just got found himself being stuck in the, the corporate world of things and provided, you know, well, you know, through my upbringing and stuff, but it was just like, I didn't see a lot of that fire and, and motivation of, of wanting to reach new heights and something, you know, exceptional. And like that always kind of drove me. And I've been a sports person. I was really, you know, advanced in baseball and football and, and saw myself being, you know, a professional athlete, you know, until I got injured in college. And I wanted to, you know, and that's what drove me. I was always a leader on the team and motivating other people around me and always wanted to be the best. And so when I got into the corporate side of things, I started in sales 
and I was always motivated to be the best and to sell the most and all this stuff. And, you know, for me, it's just always, you know, finding the, the game in it to just be successful and to beat others around me. And, uh, you know, I always try to surround myself around good people and I always try to constantly, um, inundate myself with good messages and to listen to good, you know, podcasts or influencers out there that even though as basic as their message could be, it's what you need to hear because you get so caught up in the, the mundane things in life and the monotony and all the stuff that you do that you forget about the basics. You forget about the core things that should motivate you. And so I myself continued, you know, to fall off the, the wagon every now and then. But when I get back and, and to, to get back on track to the basics, it's amazing just how much you're capable of doing. Um, and you can do it yourself too. You don't need an army of people around you or anything like that to support you. Ultimately, it's going to be up to you every time. And so I, I just, I've always just been motivated to try to beat the person next to me or in front of me and just, and just make it a game. So I'm curious, what would you say to the person that, so you talked about, you know, falling off the horse, cause we all obviously do. Some, some of us get back on quicker than others, but you know, we all, at whatever we're into or aspiring to be or pursuing have to start at zero. Like even Le- LeBron James didn't just come out of the womb sh- shooting three pointers and having a massive vertical and yes, there's genetics and God given abilities, but he still had to, you know, have spend the 10,000 hour rule and all that. And so we all start at zero. And I think a lot of people forget about that and they, you know, look at people, you know, not to get back into social media, but you know, they <laughs> see people at the top of their game and, and hardly anyone ever sees what it what took, you know, for them to get there. So what would you say to the person right now that's maybe listening to this and is either feeling lost feeling like they're kind of in this rut of like, I'm unmotivated, something happened to me, and now I'm 10 steps farther back than what I wanted to be, and I'm not really motivated to go get that goal, whatever it is, to do that thing. What's kind of your take on, you know, not just motivating people for today, because I think that's the danger sometimes with motivation is it's just a feeling, but then all of a sudden when shit hits the fan tomorrow, we're not very motivated anymore, and we're like, okay, I, I give up, I give up, but... What, what do you think it takes to go from just being simply motivated for today to kind of having this lifelong pursuit of I'm going to take things on? I would say that for me, I've had the opportunities to be in certain positions at an earlier age. I was uh, running kind of a company with a few friends and uh, one of their fathers at a really early age. I became an owner of that company in my early 20s. And, you know, the reason why I was provided that opportunity was just hard work. Like you have to be committed to hard work. You have to be able to put in the hours, but you have to be, have self-awareness and you have to, to understand that bad shit's going to happen. Like at the end of the day, it's always, it's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to everybody. So you can't sit there and have a pity party. You can't sit there and blame others around you. Bad stuff's just going to happen and bad stuff's going to happen every day. It's how you react to that stuff is really how it's going to define you. You can sit there and cry yourself a river and make all the excuses as to why you're unable to do this, this or that. But if you can bounce back from that and persevere and make something good of it or learn from some of those mistakes or challenges that, that came across, that's what's really going to separate the people who are going to advance in their career or their entrepreneurship or whatever it is they're doing. Um, those are the, and, and unfortunately there aren't that many people out there that can do that consistently. There's a lot more people in this world today that want to blame other people for their problems. Um, 
listen, there's things that are just completely out of our control. And if once you become self-aware of that and you know that you can only control what's in front of you, you'll never be able to write the script for your future and, and ultimately be happy with the skin that you're living in and everything that you're doing. Uh, it's just impossible. You're just going to be unhappy. You're going to be someone that ultimately people don't really want to be around or work with. And that's not anything that you want if you want to be successful. There's there's very few people in this world that have been successful going at things alone. You're going to ultimately need people around you that look up to you, that you motivate, that you influence, um, that you know you can be proud of them advancing in their own careers and going down different paths. I always like to tell people that I work with, like, if I can just be a part of your story for a minute or for a year or two or whatever, and I had any influence on anything good of what you've done in your career and your life, that's really cool for me to be able to sit back and look at that. You know, there's leaders and different people in business that always try to keep their people on their team forever for selfish reasons and stuff. But if you can really have people, you know, develop and then strive and be successful over time, that's what you should really strive for as a leader. I mean, that's like you see head coaches in the NFL that have hundreds of people come up through the ranks that ultimately end up being other coaches in different teams and you compete against and stuff like Bill Belichick. I mean, how many coaches have come through his system you know, that he's been able to groom and, and teach along the way. And, like, that's probably one of the more rewarding things for him that never gets spoke about. But, yeah, ultimately, you know, for me, that's that's what's going to be most important is just your attitude around, you know, these challenges that come around um, day in, day out. How are you going to react to them and how are you going to be able to, to just get back on track and make it happen? So second to last question, and it's perfect because the question I had in my head that I want to ask you, you actually set this up naturally. And uh, so you, you, two things you touched on in the last answer you just gave. One, you talked about the importance of self-awareness, knowing who you are, knowing what you're good at, knowing your skill set. The second thing you talked about was kind of this idea of it takes a team that no one person can go be successful by themselves at a macro level. It takes other people around you. It takes developing people around you. So the question I want to pose to you, or just really more of what's your take on this, is one of the critical flaws I feel like, this idea that everyone thinks that they need to be an entrepreneur, or everyone sees the, the job that they go do every day, and they say, man, this sucks, like, I hate the way my boss says, or this, or I could do it better, so I'm just gonna go start my company. And I think a lot of great companies are born out of that. But I think the flaw in that is that people are running away from the problem. And that's kind of their genesis of why I'm going to start my idea or my company rather than using, again, this self-awareness of like, wow, I actually am a leader. I do see the path forward. I love to lead people. I love to inspire people. You know, I'm going to take this time that I learned or this mishap or this frustration and I'm going to channel that into starting my new thing. For anybody listening today, what's kind of your take on, because I know you're a very entrepreneurial yourself of, and it's not this like, I'm better and you're not, but again, it's back to this viewing it through the lens of self-awareness and truly knowing, am I a leader? Am I capable of doing this? But also it's not shying away from, you know, this idea again, if it takes a team. And so I want, you know, people on my team that say, hey, I'm not trying to be a number one. I realize my role in life is to be a three or a five for whatever reason. I don't like risk. I don't like, you know, whatever. But how can people today, especially young people in their 20s or, you know, early 30s that are kind of in this, to me, lackluster sense of like, I should just go start my own thing 
versus staying in the you know on a, a team or finding a team that wants them what's kind of your take on all that well i mean i think that's anything with business and and sports right you've seen a lot of like sports players who are a great utility player for a world series team or an nba team right a six man that's just like so good in their role and then a team wins like a championship or has a real successful year and then the next year they bark on a free agency and uh, end up becoming like a really high paid player that's a number one or number two for another organization and you never hear from them again or they're now you know dubbed as a you know a dud and a bust or whatever you want to call it and you know that's unfortunate because you know they still are who they were it's just now they're in a different role where maybe their level of skills you know aren't really you know where they should be for that particular role and I think it's really important with self-awareness to understand what you bring to the table I mean making the shift from an entrepreneur to the corporate world or a corporate world to an entrepreneur I mean is a big big decision and I've I've kind of made it on both ends to be honest with you like I, I started out as an entrepreneur and then went to the corporate world I've made the corporate world shift to being an entrepreneur and it's just completely two different animals there's pros and cons to both and sometimes people can balance both, which I'm, which I'm kind of currently doing. The challenge is if, if you don't really fully understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur where you wake up every day or start every month with zero and you have to create that yourself, you have to be someone who's fully capable of self-motivation, who is comfortable getting outside of their comfort zone, willing to talk to people, make something out of nothing, and put yourself out there. It's one of the things that's the hardest thing I think for people to do is to have this creative idea or passion and then put it out there for people to understand how passionate you are about it and how you see it, where you see it going. That's a really hard thing. There's so many good ideas I think in this world that we'll never know about or that someone else will take from you because you aren't capable of putting it from your brain to paper or you know wherever you're putting it. and you, you got to really kind of just know yourself if you're capable of that because, yeah, you can be in a setting where you're frustrated with your boss or your coworkers. That's life. There's I don't know one person who's worked in the corporate setting who's just 100% loved everybody who they're working with and loved their job every single day. There's just good and bad of everything, right? But I can tell you in the corporate world, the people who I've hated the most, that have made the most challenges for me, I've learned the most from. Because being a sales-minded person and being like a creative-minded person, I'll come to the table with an idea where I'm just ready to run through a wall and I want to see it happen tomorrow. And then you talk to the team. And it's hard to, one, hear the criticism of an idea that you think is so great and it's going to work so well. And it's also hard to give someone that criticism because you don't want to tear someone down, right? But at the end of the day, that's kind of what it's there for so that you can kind of bounce ideas off one another. And, and you can do that as an entrepreneur and you can do that with like your significant other or family and, and friends. But, you know, sometimes you're not going to get the genuine answer because they might not have interest in your business or what you're doing. So I've learned a lot from those people because it's kind of taught me why you shouldn't do certain things in business. But it's also had the reverse effect too, where I've, I've learned like, hey, you're at where you are as a business because you're unwilling to take risks or chances. If you were to take a risk or chance on this, the risk is pretty minimal, and I think the opportunity to get a return on this is pretty high. You're just unwilling to do it. You're scared. You know, People are really fearful for their jobs, the cushiness of the culture or the, the, uh, the corporate world. So 
I don't know. I mean, it, it just depends. I mean, it's a, it's a hard leap to make, but it's something that I think is definitely worth it if you're the right person. And I think there's a lot of tests that you can kind of give yourself along the way to see if that's what you're capable of. Um, but I would definitely recommend to be, you know, financially solvent to be able to do it because the one thing about the corporate world is that you can show up to work, you know, passively or aggressively and that paycheck's going to probably hit every Friday or every other Friday. But if you do that in the entrepreneur world, it's not going to happen. Like you've got to make it, you got to make it work and, and go from there. So it's, it's definitely a, a tough world. But for me, like what's motivated me both on the corporate side or the entrepreneurial side is, you know, I'll, I've read like books like 10X and I've, I've gone to a couple of the 10X conferences. Um, Ed Milet is one of my favorite um, influencers and, and, and business people that are out there. You know, his term is max out and all that stuff. And it's like just listening and talking to some of these people, like for me on the social media side or even just reading the books and attending the conferences, it's so powerful um, because even myself and I've seen it in some of like the clients and, and companies that I work with or sales sales reps it's almost like they don't want to hear it from their 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 leaders they want to hear it from their peers or from um you know someone else like an ed or a grant cardone or somebody and that's powerful and for me like i started realizing that to where it's like hey look i could talk to i'm blue in the face all day to motivate people and all this stuff and i've you know had a pretty good story coming up into the to the ranks and stuff but let me put other people out there in front of my team and let's expose people to some of the stuff. And, you know, the one thing that I guess I can kind of end it on that came from one of the the speeches I heard Ed Milet give, which I was literally like hair on the back of my neck was standing up and I was ready to run through a freaking wall. And I didn't even know who he was at this point. He, his speech was basically like, who are you going to be? You're going to meet yourself at the end of your life. And are you going to be the person that you should have been? You know, so he's basically painting a picture that you're going to meet the man or woman that you should have become. And when you get to that point, are you going to be embarrassed? Are you going to be ashamed? Or are you going to shake hands and embrace that person and say, all right, man, we did it. You know, here we are. We're together. We're the same person. Like I became everything that I was supposed to be, you know, and walking through that as he did, I was like, wow, it kind of painted a picture because we're all going to meet our maker one day. We're all going to die. That's something that's inevitable. And when that happens, is it, is it going to be the point where are we proud of where we've, with the effort we've put in, everything that we've done, like we've given back, you know, to our family, our friends, our community, whatever it is, that will motivate you. Are you going to be proud of, of what you've become, and you know who you are and the legacy you leave behind? And it just got me kind of thinking, in a different way, that that kind of stuff isn't something that you can create overnight. It's years in the making. You know, and decisions, micro decisions that you make every single day and, you know, how you motivate yourself and, you know, setting goals and writing those goals down and constantly reminding yourself of how to get there. And so whether you're on the corporate side, you're an entrepreneur, you can meet yourself at the end of the road, like Ed says, and be proud of who you've become if you set it out to, to, you know, to, you know, how you want it to be and just constantly remind yourself of every step you need to make because you're not going to get there overnight. It's going to be a progress down the road. Just be a good person, work hard, be a good person and great things are going to happen for you. I deeply loved the absolute honesty and transparency that Travis brought to the episode today. I know I came away from it super inspired, super motivated. I love his idea 
that to be able to go fast, you have to go alone. But to be able to go far, you have to go with others around you. And so it's incredibly inspiring to hear from someone that really believes in, um, you know, leading their team with integrity and also having the self-awareness to understand that, hey, my team, they get motivated by hearing other people say it. It doesn't necessarily always have to come from me and it doesn't need to. So Travis is investing in those employees around him at his day job by bringing in some of the top leaders and thinkers within their industry and other adjacent industries, which I thought was just incredibly mature and, and, and really the mark of a true leader for him to be able to recognize that, hey, people around me on my team, they respond to hearing other people say it. And, um, you know, Travis having the wherewithal and, and the eye on the prize of knowing what it's going to take for his team to be successful, to be able to step out of the way and let those people, you know, within their industry or, you know, other motivational people out there to come in and, and speak a breath of fresh air into his team. So I hope you learned a lot from today's episode. I know there's so many takeaways, even for me, that I'm going away from it. Whether you're a social media influencer, or you're looking to build your own social media empire, or you're just looking to motivate it and you're kind of caught in this you know, middle uh, of the road position with your job, or do I stay or do I go? Am I an entrepreneur? Should I be a not one? Am I meant to do this? And, and all the things that come along with having those conversations with yourself. So be sure to check out Travis's accounts on Instagram if you're into golf content or honestly just need a funny laugh because I absolutely love all three of his pages. You can find them at PGA Memes, at Hack Patrol, and at Sir Hisselot. As always, please reach out to me if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or just generally want some encouragement in your life. I would love to help you um, any way I absolutely can. You can find me on Instagram at Eric Michael Savage. I hope you have a great rest of your day.